Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today's show, we're talking about the winners and losers from the government's recent RMA reform. This is the reform that is going to lead to more building here in New Zealand. And look, there are winners, there are losers, and there are opportunities. So we are going to take you through what these are in today's episode. But it is important to note that these new laws aren't expected to be brought in. These standards won't be brought in until August 2022. So we've got a bit of time. We've got 10-ish months before these rules come in. But let's get prepared to understand who's going to win and who is going to lose. Andrew, take it away with number one. For the winners of this new reform, the people who own inner city standalone houses or sections. So if you've got something that's within 10 to 15 kilometres of the city centre, you're probably going to see a significant uplift in value over the next wee while. The losers, on the other hand, are all those people that were wanting to buy inner city standalone houses. So if you're a first-time buyer and you're thinking, right, I've saved up my deposit, I'm going to buy an Eddington now, a standalone house, and I've seen it, you bet your bottom dollar that the person going to sell it is probably going to sell to someone maybe that's willing to pay a little bit more now because they can put three townhouses on it. And this is a zoning change that is one-off and unexpected. So what that creates is a land value shock. So it means the land component of what you're selling, if you are selling, is going to go up in value and whilst the house stays the same. So anyone that does own those standalone houses are going to be instantly better off with instant capital growth that's come from just a policy change. And inner city houses are expected to see the greatest land value shock than standalone houses on the outskirts because generally speaking, if you're in the outskirts or in the outer suburbs, you're probably going to not see three-storey townhouses built in those areas. Similarly, the people who are going to win are people whose zoning has actually changed, whereas the losers are going to be people who own undeveloped terraced housing or mixed housing zones. So when Andrew's describing this land value shock, the way that PricewaterhouseCoopers and Sense Partners, the people who wrote the 150-page document which outlines essentially who the winners and losers are and what the benefits and costs of this policy is, what they found is that after the Auckland Unitary Plan came in, there was about 75% capital growth. There was still an enormous amount of capital growth between when the Auckland Unitary Plan was introduced in terms of when it was announced and then when it actually came in. So between 2014 and 2017. And between that time, standalone properties that were still in the single housing zone, where the zoning hadn't changed, they saw about 75% uplift in the value of their properties. Enormous. But people who saw the zoning change, where it went from single home or some other zoning towards multi-properties, so terraced housing and apartments, they saw, if it was close to town, almost 150% capital growth. So naturally, people whose zoning will change from single housing to being able to build two or three houses on that property now, they're going to see a significant uplift. But what happens to all of those people who owned undeveloped terraced housing or mixed-use zones? Well, all of a sudden, there's not as much competition for their land because there's more supply of land that can be developed. So if they'd been land banking, if they'd been holding out thinking, oh, I'm just going to hold on to this land and it's going to go up because there's not going to be much terraced housing (laughs) land left. Oh, well, all of a sudden, oh, this isn't very good. There's heaps of it now that can be developed. So the winners of this, if your zone's changed from single dwelling zone into being able to build more properties, Great for you, but if you previously were holding out, you've got a piece of land that you could develop and you're thinking, I'm just going to hold on to it for a little while, hard luck for you because you're going to have a whole heap of competition 
from other people whose land can now be developed. So you're going to be a little bit worse off than that. And actually, one thing that's quite interesting, Andrew, within these big documents is PwC and Sense Partners created what's called a quality score. And so they looked at a whole heap of the data and they figured out for a bunch of different sections which ones can be developed and which ones are more likely to be developed and which ones are going to be a bit harder to be developed. And they looked at that compared to the increase in land value that they thought they'd see. Well, what do we expect to see? Well, if your property is 10 kilometres, 15 kilometres from Britomart, if we're talking in Auckland now, or 10 to 15 kilometres from the centre of the other cities that are affected by this. Well, if you currently were only in single housing area, you're going to see a significant increase in the value of your land. But if you're 20, 30 kilometres out from the city centre and your land is currently zoned for terraced housing or apartments, the value of your land might go down compared to what it would otherwise be. Why? Because you've got more competition. There's more land that could be developed. So you don't have that same premium that you previously would have got. Next up in the winners column are the whole construction and real estate sector, which, you know, they've been the ones keeping the economy afloat as it is. The losers, on the other hand, council and ratepayers. So in terms of the development side of things, you've got developers who now have got more sections that they can buy and be able to make a viable project. And so, of course, what that means is you're probably going to see a few of these smaller developers buy up these sections. Now, I did talk to Matt Horncastle from Williams Corporation today about this and asked what his opinion was. He said, look, for guys like us, it makes no difference whatsoever. He said it's a step in the right direction for New Zealand, he believes, but it's not going to make any difference to what he's doing because he's already buying the land with as much intensive value as possible. He's not going to do a development of three units on a single section. That just doesn't work for them. Builders as well, they're going to obviously have more work because you know you might have someone that was just an investor and now they're going to put a couple of units on the back. All of a sudden, and there's more demand for the builders. I don't know how you're going to get any work done around your house. It's hard enough to do that already. And real estate agents. So if you've got more people that spot an opportunity in selling their property to the likes of a developer, a smaller developer, they're going to come onto the market and then people are going to sell them. There's an incentive now for people to sell those properties. Councils and ratepayers, they're the ones that are going to get a flogging because this has just been sprung on them. And the council has to find a way to deliver the increased amount of infrastructure required for these new houses. And so potentially this is going to be funded by higher developer contributions maybe. Otherwise, the other option is rates. It's probably more likely to be higher developer contributions or maybe that means because you know the, a council is a business, maybe they have to cut some costs to other services. And you can expect to see a lot of this in the local body elections next year. And then next for me, and this is a really interesting one, is people in inner city wealthy suburbs, those are the winners in my mind, where the losers are people in inner city middle class areas. Why do I say this? Well, because if you're in a really wealthy neighbourhood, this isn't going to affect you that much. The value of your house is going to go up, but you're probably not going to be living next to a whole heap of townhouses. But if you're living in a middle class inner city area, then Hey, look, expect your neighbourhood to change. Now, why do I say this? Well, it all comes down to opportunity cost and what they call land-to-value ratio. So what I want you to think about are two properties next to each other. They both have about a million dollars worth of land. But one of these properties has a million dollars worth of improvements. Oh, it's a big, lovely old house. It's a beautiful house. The one next door, million dollars worth of land, but $200,000 worth of improvements. Oh, it's a grotty old villa. Well, which one is going to be torn down 
and have some houses built on it. Well, clearly it's going to be the one, the grotty old villa. Why is that? Because you can buy that more cheaply, rip it down because it wasn't worth very much in terms of that house, and build three new townhouses on it. Well, if you were going to rip down the really nice expensive house, then hey, by the time you've ripped it all down, you're still left with a million dollars worth of land. So it's much more expensive to buy that property, rip down the house and intensify that land. So what are we going to see? Well, if you live on the street where you've got a whole heap of nicely renovated properties, let's think Ponsonby for instance, not one of those properties is going to be ripped down because you've got a very low or a lower land value ratio. The land might make up 50% of the value of that property. Whereas if it's a grotty old set of units, oh, it's not a very nice house, that land value ratio is going to be really, really high because the value's in the land, not in the improvements. So that's why I say if you live in an inner city wealthy area with lots of houses, don't expect your area to change that much. Because nobody's going to be ripping down a multi-million dollar house to replace it with some townhouses. But if you live in a more middle class area with some more middle of the road properties, expect those to be the ones that are pulled down because the value of the house just isn't as high compared to some other places. So this is why I say the winners are going to be those in relatively wealthy areas. The losers are going to be people who currently live in more middle class areas and like the current character of their neighbourhood. So the final winner is people that are not yet in the market because there is going to be more supply in theory. Now, I do think that maybe this is not going to be as big as perhaps some people think it will be, and that's purely because of Matt Horncastle's comment of, hey, the big developers who have actually got the ability to get supplies right now, it's not going to change their business. And if it's a smaller developer, it might still take them, you know, two, three years to actually have these properties come on stream and actually be built. So you will see an adjustment. It just might not be as sudden as perhaps we might be thinking about when we read the newspaper articles about it now. And so, of course, that probably goes the same for tenants. So they could be a winner because there might be more options for them to live in a townhouse in a few years' time. But again, I wouldn't be banking on that being massive and thinking that you're going to get any major reduction in rent because, of course, there's a whole lot of extra costs for landlords at the moment that's still going to put upward pressure on the rental market. So whilst I think that these are you know potential winners, I guess we'll see how much of an effect that has over the coming years. When we're doing episode number 1500, And look, I can see some investors already as well, people who are really active, who are getting excited about this, looking at the ability to build properties, intensify their land, claim the interest deductibility deduction for new builds and intensify that. So there are going to be some real winners in property investment as well. But look, let's summarise this up. Who are the winners? Well, if you already own a standalone section, 10 to 15 kilometres from the city, you're a winner. If your zoning's changed, you're going to be a winner. If you're somebody who is currently operating the construction or real estate sector, ching, 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 winner, 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 chicken dinner. I messed it up. Sorry, Andrew. It's winner, winner, chicken dinner. There were too many winners in there. I know Um, it is. I have to say, I'm happy we're filming today's episode because, and if you are listening to this, make sure you go to YouTube and check it out because it's been particularly animated today. He's obviously had a few extra coffees because he's doing dancing and song. Well, I'm not, I'm not finished doing all my winners, apart from myself, of course. People in inner city wealthy areas, you're going to be a winner. And if you're not in the market, hey, could be a winner as well. But there are going to be some losers from this. You know, if you want to buy an inner city standalone property, hey, those are going to become more rare 
there's going to be less of them out there so it's going to be more expensive if you had been land banking oh sorry for you bro because you're going to have some more competition potentially <laughs> more land that can be developed if you're a council or ratepayer oh that's us Andrew and if you're somebody who currently lives in more of a middle class area hey maybe you're going to have some more townhouses around you and you may or may not like that so I do think it's important though to recognize that with any legislative change there are winners there are losers there are opportunities out there I would always recommend for you guys to take the positive side of this though think about what are the possibilities what could be done rather than focusing on the negatives that you actually can't change with anything that comes out we've got to take as much of a positive view of this as possible and try and make the best of it so that's what I encourage you to do as you're listening along today Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property investment with Andrew and I, check out our YouTube channel, the Opus Partners YouTube, because we are currently doing a series on interest deductibility and we're getting lots of great feedback about these. We have got a six-part video series taking you through what these tax changes mean and you can bet that there's going to be one coming up after this series is finished talking about the RMA and showing some of these concepts visually as well. I'm going to drop a link to where you can find that in the show notes, so tap or swipe over the cover art. There'll be a link in there or just Google Opus Partners YouTube. It'll be the first thing that comes up and hey make sure you hit that subscribe button as well thanks for listening to your property academy podcast i'm your host evil knight and i'm andrew nichol and we're gonna be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies taxes and insights to help you get the most out of the new zealand property market until next time <laughs>